Our text for today comes from Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. All right, good morning. Uh, Today we're picking up the second week in our series we're calling Whole, which is all about what it means to become uh, both spiritually and emotionally healthy or whole people. Uh, Last week we laid out some of, if you were with us, we laid out some of the reasons that this is an important endeavor, uh, and we set some priorities for why why it's important to step into emotional health, primarily because God created us to be fully formed, whole, and holy people. And this week we're diving into one of the foundational aspects of what it means to become a whole person if we're going to kind of set off on that journey. How, in fact, do we do it? What are the first steps to becoming more whole, more complete, more the person that God created us to be? And one of the main ways of doing that, one of the first places we're going to start if we're going to become all that God wants us to be, is that we're, ha- we're going to have to grow in our self-knowledge. We're going to have to know ourselves. It was uh, Plato who first said, know thyself. Know thyself as a means of uh, understanding who we are and what is happening inside of us. And the truth of the matter is that the reason it's important that we delve into this practice of knowing ourselves, of being introspective, of looking deep within our hearts, at our emotions, at our, uh, at our gifts and abilities, at our strengths and our weaknesses, the reason that this is important is because there is this foundational truth about God. And that is that God wants to participate with us in the process of us being more holy people. You see, at times we think that God simply is going to kind of just wave a magic wand over our lives and that all of the dysfunction and all of the brokenness and all of the overeating, I don't know, uh, is just going to go away. It's just going to go away. And that happens to be not how it happens very often, and it also happens to be not the way that God would have it be done, because God is all about partnering with us on this journey of becoming who He's created us to be. God is not a micromanager. He is one who wants to come alongside, walk with, and grow us as we participate with Him. This is what God is all about. And so... If we want to be flourishing people, we have to begin the process of looking deep within our hearts and, uh, and begin to understand our emotions, our uh, gifts, our strengths, our weaknesses, our hurts, our pains, our brokenness, in sometimes ways that make us feel uncomfortable. We have to do the difficult work of taking a long look inside ourselves and understanding more fully what it means to be Uh, a human being, what it means to be a a healthy human being, to take a look under the hood, if you will. And And the car analogy is actually pretty apt, if you ask me. Have any of you ever driven a used car before? Right? Maybe. I know Steve has. Uh, And there were a bunch of weird sounds coming from under the hood, right? Maybe there is a squeal Somewhere in the car, maybe the brakes you knew were just functionally not there. Maybe one brake worked, but the rest of them did not. 
And instead of taking the car into the shop to try to figure out what's wrong and addressing that issue, you just kind of keep driving, right? I'm just going to keep driving, pretending that that sound is just going to go away all on its own, right? I had a car once when I was uh, going to school up in Minnesota, and every time I took it in to get the oil changed, because I cared about routine oil changes, they were like, you have $1,500 of work that you need to do on this car. And I would just put my fingers in my ears, symbolically, and go, okay, thank you, bye, see you later, and I'd walk out the door. And I would kind of say a, a brief prayer that this vehicle was going to get me to my next destination, right? I, I dreaded uh, taking this car in because I knew that it needed all this work and I knew that I didn't want to spend all of the money on it. It was just maddening. It was maddening. So I would just leave, right? And eventually what happens? The car breaks down, right? The car breaks down. And I think this is how many of us address our lives. We know that there is an issue, right? We, the, our life is squeaking, if you will. There are signs of, uh, of uh, some, uh, some problem even. And we may even know the promises of Scripture, that God longs for us to be whole and holy people, that he longs uh, to have us be healed and flourishing people. But because of out, of out of fear or anxiety or sometimes maybe just even laziness, we choose to kind of just close the hood and walk away and pretend that there is nothing going on. Believing our lives will just take care of themselves, right? It's, it will just fix itself. It will, it will work itself out. And this turns out not to be true. This turns out not to be true. What happens most often in our lives is that at some point, the car breaks down, doesn't it? Our lives become unmanageable. Something catastrophic even happens to us, and we are forced to face, maybe for the first time, our true selves, the self that is really underneath that we have been avoiding or walking away from. Those broken pieces of ourselves that we have been neglecting, hoping that they just get better on their own. You know, it's common wisdom that uh, most people don't change until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing, right? It's common wisdom. But wouldn't it be better to simply build into our lives a kind of pattern of routine maintenance for our souls? So that when something does happen, it's not catastrophic. To endure smaller episodes of discomfort along the way and avoid the life-altering breakdown. That would be nice, wouldn't it? But so few people in our world have really built the spiritual rhythms and practices into our lives that enable us to regularly and routinely address those parts of ourselves that need healing. We haven't done it. Most of us simply persist through our lives with a kind of low-grade discomfort, a uh, a dull hum in the back of our brains, choosing not to address our interior life rather than doing the hard work of facing who we might actually be. In his chapter on knowing yourself in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which uh, Pete Scazzaro says this, the vast majority of us go to our graves without knowing who we are. We unconsciously live someone else's life 
or at least someone's el- someone else's expectation uh, of, for us, this does violence to ourselves, our relationships with God, and ultimately to others. We choose not to address our inner life, attempting to avoid the pain of facing who we really are, and thus we turn our backs on the flourishing and joyful experience Jesus makes available to everyone who puts their faith in him and dedicates themselves to his way of life. And the truth is that distracting ourselves from ourselves has never been easier than it is today, isn't it? I love watching old movies, especially ones from the like medieval or Victorian uh, times, mostly because I'm fascinated with what these people did with all of their time. They didn't have TV and they didn't have cell phones, and so how did people pass the time? Well, they really had just a couple options. They could, for recreation, they could work or they could not work, right? And then when they weren't working, which they did more than we do for the most part, they could either like read or sing (laughs) in a room just together. They did a lot of that. Play music, talk to one another. This This is the extent of their options, right? That was about it. You ha- and you had a lot more time to reflect. You were just in a field doing things and by yourself, right? Uh, yes, there were still ways of distracting yourself even before technology, right? There was still workaholism, and alcohol has always been a substance that, has, that people have used to kind of distract themselves from their own brokenness. But they had a lot of time to reflect, right? In our day... We're just a cell phone click away from distraction. We are just a moment's uh, fleeting text message away from feeling like we're not alone, right? And the reality is, is that if, if there is the slightest lull in our day, right? If there's the slightest moment of standing in line at a target, or even, bef- and this is probably one of the more prominent ones, right? Those, those few minutes before we fall asleep, rather than paying attention to what's happening, we just kind of distract ourselves until maybe I can fall asleep and then I don't need to pay attention to myself or to God's voice or really to anything. We are chronically busy in our culture, distracted, chronically distracted, and thus spiritually And emotionally speaking, we're chronically ill. We have neglected the ancient wisdom of Christians throughout the ages, of teachers, and of Jesus himself, actually. That being alone with God long enough for him to help us see ourselves is probably the first thing we need to do in becoming emotionally and spiritually healthy people. In our teaching text for today, we see this ancient wisdom put front and center by the psalmist in Psalm 139 when he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, the psalms are prayers, right? They're prayers, and they give us a vocabulary of prayer. They actually teach us both how to pray and how to order our lives as citizens of God's kingdom. This is what the psalms do. And this psalmist says, in essence, God wants to help me know myself, right? This is what he says. Search me, reveal to me anything that leads me down a path away from 
rather than towards you, O God. Help me to live the type of life that leads to everlasting, which is a beautiful phrase, isn't it? Implying that the unexamined life is one that leads in the opposite direction, right? And this really leads us to what I think is the very first requirement where any of us have to fulfill. If we're going to begin this process of knowing ourselves and stepping into that knowledge And that is simply asking God to help us develop an awareness of what we are feeling and doing. Because we are so very distracted, aren't we? You know, one of the things that's so striking about Jesus in the Gospels is just how in touch he seems to be with his feelings. Have any of you ever noticed this? That that Jesus is not stoic in the Gospels in any way, shape, or form. He has the full range of human emotions from anguish and fear and sadness to joy, delight, love. Jesus is astonished at points in the Gospels. Jesus was a human being, and he experienced the full range of human emotions, and he seemed to be in touch with those emotions. Sometimes we think about Jesus as a teacher, right? Like he's just kind of Spock with a dress on, right? This is how we think of him. But that is not how the Gospels record him at all, right? He had these raw emotional experiences. Like when he he drives the money changers out of the temple, the, the scriptures say he makes a whip and gets really mad and yells at them, right? And we have other examples of it as well. Jesus weeps openly in public in front of all his friends at the grave of his friend Lazarus. He had these raw emotions, didn't he? But when we see Jesus experiencing these emotions, he always held them in a healthy way. He seems unashamed of his emotions, like unembarrassed of what he's doing. He does not repress his emotions. He doesn't just like, oh, I really want to drive these money changers out of the temple right now, but I'm just going to go do something else, right? This isn't what he does. He doesn't repress his emotions. He doesn't act like he's not crying at Lazarus's grave, right? He feels the full weight of his emotions, but he also doesn't project them on others or blame other people for the way he is feeling, right? In short, Jesus shows us what it looks like to be emotionally healthy people. He was in touch with what he was feeling, and when I compare myself to Jesus, I see all kinds of ways that I handle, that I don't handle my emotions well, right? And how I live much of my life ignorant of what I am actually feeling. And I think many of us, I'm assuming that many of you are just like me in that regard, right? Most of us are more self-conscious than we are self-aware, And the truth of the matter is, is that we need Jesus' help to begin to live in touch with what we are feeling and doing. You know, the pattern of Jesus' life and ministry was to spend a ton of relationally intense time with people, praying, healing, ministering, working, feeding 5,000 people, things that take a fair amount of energy. And then he would do this thing where he would withdraw from the intensity of those encounters and and to what the Bible calls a lonely or solitary place. Often this was on a mountain. We don't have any of those here. 
in Iowa, where he would take time away with God the Father to pray, allowing himself space. And for many of us, even if we have regular habits surrounding prayer and study, we see it as a more uh, we we can see it more as an opportunity of checking something off the spiritual list than a, of the of an opportunity to open up space in our own lives to allow the holy spirit to search our hearts so you don't need to spend all night praying in order to do this okay you don't need to find a mountain and just go sit on it by yourself the thing we need to do the first thing we need to do is simply begin paying attention to our emotions and to take a beat, to take a second, and to try to ascertain what we are actually feeling. When we are feeling angry, depressed, anxious, happy even, joyful, asking myself, why am I feeling this way? Why am I feeling this way? Why did I get defensive when that person said that thing, right? What is making me feel afraid right now? It's a good question to ask. Is there a reason beyond the fact that the person in front of me is driving three miles an hour below the speed limit that I am completely losing my mind right now? Is there a reason beyond that, right? For many of us, a great entry point into kind of gauging what we're feeling emotionally is simply listening to our bodies. Have you ever thought about this? The way our bodies react to different situations will tell us a lot about what we are feeling, right? So a good thing to ask is, I'm not able to sleep. Why is that? Oftentimes, it happened last night on Saturday nights. I am not able to sleep. I wake up about every two and a half hours in a start like, oh, did I miss church or something? You know, I don't know. Why, why am I not able to sleep, Right? What's going on in my emotions? What is that tied to? What's causing that? Why do I have this tension headache right now, right? What's causing this kind of foot-stomping impatience in me right now? If we can pause just long enough to do that, then, then uh, just long enough to like slow down a little bit and be somewhat introspective and begin to, begin to try to ascertain what am I feeling and why am I feeling it? There's, there's truth to people who are in touch with their feelings, right? Who are aware of what they are feeling and thinking. And very often, we are not. We are not. Our feelings are more something that happened to us than something we are simply, than, than, than something that we are aware of. Now, part of the problem is, is that this, this being aware of our emotions is really, really difficult. It's hard, actually, isn't it? Because I just want to do things in my day. I don't want to be cognizant of what I'm feeling, right? I just want to accomplish stuff. I just want to get through it. I, just, I don't want to have to be aware of what's actually going on inside of me as I experience my day, right? We don't want that to happen to us. But it's incredibly important. And because it's incredibly important, it's incredibly hard. Too often, instead of simply feeling and identifying our emotions and being cognizant of them, we judge what we're feeling, right? And we, we suppress it because we think that what we're feeling is, in a, is not appropriate, right? And that's just not true. That's just not true. The key to bringing emotional health is first feeling and then understanding our emotions. 
And if we repress our feelings, if we judge ourselves for feeling a certain way, then we will never be able to address why we are feeling that way. Does that make sense? If we, uh, if we are having misplaced and unhealthy emotions, which is possible, then the only way we're going to step into health is by getting to the bottom of why we're feeling that way and addressing it, right? So judging or repressing is not a healthy way of going about actually dealing with that emotion. It's hard, isn't it? Like, I know as a dad, when I'm feeling mad at my spouse or at my kids, it can bring on feelings of guilt and shame because I know I shouldn't be feeling that way. When all I want to do is, like, be, my, be by myself and get some me time, and I'm mad about the fact that I don't get that, I can feel super guilty about that because I know I should be feeling like I love my family, and I want to give all of myself to them all of the time, Right? And so I can feel guilty and shameful about that. But if I push it down, if I simply push it away, if I don't identify that feeling in my heart and begin to, the process of getting to the bottom of it, then I'm never actually going to deal with that emotion. It's just going to keep happening, right? And so when we identify these things and we're able to get to the bottom of them, it actually makes us more able to step into health. Does this make sense? And the psalmist says this, right? This is what the psalmist says. Lord, search me, know me, show me my anxious thoughts. Lead me in a path that leads to everlasting. Lead me in a path that leads me into a healthier place. Show me the right stuff so that I can begin the process of walking in it. Reveal to me the truths about myself so that I can have all the information I need to set myself on the proper path. This is what the psalmist says. And so, do we have regular times in our lives, in our daily experience, that we've built into our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly schedules, where we have made opportunity for God to allow him to search us and tell us the truth about ourselves, allow us to think in uh, organized ways about what we're feeling and thinking in such a way that we can address those thoughts and feelings. You know, we don't have to accomplish anything when we sit with God. This is true. Very often, we shouldn't really feel a sense of accomplishment, <laughs> I don't think. Rather, we should simply be with him and allow God to have his work in us. It is about allowing God the space in our lives to do what only he can do. So I think that's the first and most important thing, is just being aware of our feelings. Now, that's not, uh, that's not really practical, right? It's not like real hands-on, like, what, Nick, tell me, what literally do I have to do? Well, we just have to cultivate an awareness. And we just have to be willing. In the, as I've, in the study of, for this uh, series leading up to this, I just found that just cultivating an awareness of the fact that being a, aware of my feelings is, emo is important has caused me, when I'm feeling certain ways, to pay more attention to those things. Does this make sense? Simply knowing that that's something I'm supposed to do helps me to do it, Right? But we also need to create space in our lives. We also need to put our phone down. We also need to turn the TV off. We also need to wake up 20 minutes earlier. We also need to, like, turn the TV off that's in our bedroom before we go to bed. We also have to put the video game down. We, there's some things to do here, right? 
We also have to turn the radio off, right, when, on our way into work. But uh, there's things we can do, but primarily it's about cultivating an awareness of ourselves, what, our feeling, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we're doing. There are tools. There are tools. And, w- and a couple of the tools that we want to make available to you in this sermon series, uh, last week we, we made available an inventory uh, for personal emotional health. Did anybody, who saw, you can just raise your hand if you grabbed one of those. We, we, we printed some more of them out in the lobby if you want to head out and grab those. I think that's a really healthy way of beginning the process of looking internally. It can be hard. The first time I filled that out, I was like, oh, geez, Louise, right? This is not good. This is not good. It can be difficult, but looking at ourselves through a, a, a somewhat objective lens is really helpful, is really, really helpful. Uh, it can be really hard to look at ourselves, but, it could, but that information is the information that God will use to help renew and restore us, to help make us whole. Uh, another tool that we are, we're making available to everyone today is the Enneagram. I think we have that slide. Do we have that slide up there? All right. So um, back in October, uh, our leadership team here at the church all took the Enneagram. The Enneagram is this, uh, it's kind of a personality assessment, but it's a personality assessment that I think is really uh, intuitive and r- really in-depth and really will help us get a feel for uh, our, our personality and our specific, uh, our specific makeup and then along with the, the things and the ways in which we are in this world, some of our particular hang-ups as well. The Enneagram is a great tool for that. that w- you can go to that website and you can uh, take that assessment for free and it will tell you uh, what type you are in the Enneagram. I think it's a really helpful tool. Um, we've also printed some off, right? And there's, there's some at, at the coffee bar on your way out. Um, for me, it, th- what, what these tools, what the assessments do is they give me language for what I'm experiencing, right? They, they, they help me kind of label what is happening to me, right? If I'm feeling a certain way or if I'm acting in a certain way that might not necessarily be healthy, it helps me kind of label that thing to kind of put a pin in it and understand better what I'm experiencing, Right? And the Enneagram is a great tool for that. So I would suggest anybody who wants to uh, delve into this area, and I know some of us don't like taking personal assessments or personality tests or skills-based anything. We don't like doing that because it makes us feel a little awkward. I understand I have the type of personality where I really enjoy these things, (laughs) which probably makes me weird. I'm probably not normal in that regard. But... Uh, it's a really, really helpful test. And so here's what we want to do as a, as a church, as a community. Um, we want you to go take the Enneagram. We want you to do that in the next couple of days. And then uh, we want you to email Ashley, all right? We want you to email Ashley. I think, do we have your email up there? No, we don't. It's just Ash. Yeah, it's in the bulletin if you want to check that out. Or you can easily go to our website and check that out. Uh, if we get enough uh, response from all of you, we, w- we really want to hold a little Enneagram workshop where we can help you walk through your type. This is what Ashley did uh, in her undergrad in college, a big chunk of it. And she's really good at helping people walk through and understand their personality type and the ways that God wants to use uh, that tool to help transform and renew us. So that's the second thing. This is a really practical kind of hands-on tool that will help us um, in this process of looking at ourselves in a deep way. So that's number two. 
the third thing, the third thing that we need if we're going to be about this process of uh, looking internally, looking at ourselves, seeing ourselves clearly, is we need trusted friends. We need trusted friends. We need friends and relationships who will help us see and understand ourselves. Because frankly, the human capacity for self-deception is so great that, that with, without mature companions and friends, we can easily fall into the trap of living illusions in our lives. Do you have people in your life who are committed to seeing you become all that God wants you to be and are willing to tell you the truth about yourself in order to help that happen? You have that. A few years ago, I was at this pastor's gathering, and there were these two pastors that were there, and they told me this incredible story about this way that they'd committed to one another to really walk with and tell each other the truth in openness and honesty. They had even made like a little covenant and signed it, which I thought was nerdy, but... Um, uh, but uh, but they were so committed to one another of telling each other the truth, and they were committed in love to seeing each of each other reach their full potential in God. So they would in in this covenant they would say things like, "When I hear you speaking negatively or gossiping, I'm going to tell you to stop, because I'm I'm committed to your language being healthy and for your heart to be healthy." It said things like, "If I see you mistreating your wife." or neglecting your children, I'm going to call you on it because I'm committed to you being a healthy husband and father. This is like, like the type of stuff they had in this covenant, and they were committed uh, interpersonally to one another to see these things happen. And I remember being so utterly blown away by this, so utterly blown away at the relationship that these two people had formed. It was moving to me. It's like somebody had actually put the words of Proverbs 27, 6, like, into motion. The wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses, right? The, they, they'd actually put this kind of relationship into practice, and it was powerful, and it was working. These were two amazing people. Because the truth of it is, if we haven't submitted ourselves to what others uh, other people's insights and even critiques of us, and now these are trusted people, these are people who are committed to us and we're committed to them, but if we haven't submitted ourselves to that, most often if there is a critique or if there is an insight about ourselves that comes from the outside, what happens? We get super mad. We get very offended. And if and here's the truth. If you don't have anyone in your life who's, and this probably can't be a spouse. This, your spouse can be a part of this for sure, but it needs to be somebody other than a spouse as well. If you don't have someone in your life who is regular, regularly speaking this in these ways to you, you have blind spots. You have blind spots. I have blind spots. We all have blind spots. But uh, people in our lives that will, that will tell us the truth help us to navigate those blind spots in our lives. We need people in our lives who are committed to seeing us become all that God wants us to be. And here's a great place to start. Do you want a great place to start? You can write this down if you want. Find somebody you trust, a friend that you, uh, that, whose life you appreciate and think is pretty solid and ask them this question, how do you experience me? Ooh, right? How do you experience me? 
in our, in our routine interactions, how do you experience me? See what comes back. Now ask them to be 100% honest with you. I was listening to one pastor one time, and he said that uh, we have to be honest to the last 10%. And by that he meant uh, very often we tell people the 90% of the truth, but we don't tell them the last 10% of the truth, and it's the last 10% of the truth that's most important because we don't want to hurt people's feelings, right? Which is nice. I don't want to hurt people's feelings either, but we, but we withhold the last 10% because, you know, we don't want to get into it. But when we, when we cultivate these types of relationships, they have to be relationships where we, we are committed to, and that person is committed to, telling us the last 10%. Does this make sense? Now, you don't have to make a legal document, right? You don't have to, have, you don't have to cut your thumbs and, I don't know, whatever that you do there, blood brothers or something. Uh, you don't have to do any of that. But it is our responsibility, if we want to be whole people who understand ourselves well, to cultivate relationships that help us know ourselves better. You know, it's, it's not possible for the information we get back from other faulty people to be 100% accurate all the time, right? Because that might be what we're thinking. Well, what if they're not accurate? What if they don't really know me? They don't really know what's going on inside of me. I, the, 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 it's just all excuses, really, right? The truth of the matter is that we need these people in our lives. And, there, and there's some truth to the fact that you know, the information that somebody offers up might not be 100% true, right? It might not be 100% accurate, but if they're giving it their best shot, they're helping you. They're helping you. They are an instrument of God's renewal in your life. And we need those types of people in our lives. I'm going to close with this story. I had a friend, uh, his name is Brandon. And growing up, Ashley and I had a, Ashley and I grew up together. We had a really tight-knit group of friends. And there was one evening where we were all in my basement. It was Brandon and Matt and Greg and a couple other guys. And they're probably going to listen to this and be like, you couldn't remember my name, Nick. And I say, yeah, we're really close. Um, but we were all in the basement, and we were talking and messing around. And br- my, Brandon is one of my best friends in the world. And he had been smoking a lot of pot probably for like six months before that, like a lot of pot. It wasn't very good. And uh, we were all sitting around talking, and, and somebody had said, somebody looked at Brandon, and they said, Brandon, um, you should stop smoking weed, man. <laughs> and Brandon, it was the most amazing thing i ever seen. He goes, okay. <laughs> Never touched it again. <laughs> it was the most, it, it, he posted on Facebook. He's my age. He's 34. Uh, actually, he's 34. He's not my age. But uh, he posted on Facebook a couple years ago, like, it's been 28 years or whatever it was, or 17 years since I smoked pot. Thanks, that the named all of us. And I was like, huh, so that's how it works sometimes, right? You can engage in relationships that help you step into wholeness and healing. Now, I know for many of us, having our friend just tell us, you know, when you're in that mood, you're a big jerk, isn't going to be the thing that's going to automatically make us stop being a jerk, Right? But it is one step in the process of stepping into the wholeness of w- that God has made available to us in the person of Jesus. And if we don't have those types of friends in our lives, if we don't have those types of relationships, if we don't cultivate the space in our lives to actually look at how we're thinking and feeling, if we don't use the tools that have been, have been made available for us to understand ourselves, then we're just going to kind of walk through this life unaware of who we are, unaware of the way that we, we affect and impact the people in our lives and unable to step into the wholeness and healing that has been made available to us in the person of Jesus.
This is what will happen. But, the, but there is a better story, too. The better story is for us to step into wholeness and health by going on this journey that Jesus invites us into of knowing ourselves and knowing him better and slowly, over time, in community, stepping into all that God has for us to become healed on the inside of ourselves, to become more healthy just generally, to begin to develop healthier relationships with other people, to begin to make my marriage healthier, to begin to make my relationship with my mom or my dad healthier, to begin to, to, begin to just step into all that God has for us. God's goal for you is not that you would just wallow in dysfunction until you die. God's goal and his hope for you that you would partner with him in community, in the presence, to see you become all that he created you to be. And it starts, it all starts, in this, with this really, really simple thing that turns out to be one of the hardest things any of us will ever do. Know yourself. Know yourself. As we go, I just want to pray Psalm uh, 139 over you, uh, that, that God would do for you what the psalmist prays in this passage, that as, we, that as we embark on this journey of becoming whole and holy people, that God would reveal to you what's in your heart, that he would show it to you, that he would test and show you any anxiety or any dysfunction in you and that he would lead you in the path to everlasting. So let's pray. Father, Father, we invite your spirit into our lives. We know, God, all of the ways that we have uh, built up these patterns of distraction in our lives. We confess, Lord, that we are afraid of who we actually are, and so we distract ourselves and we choose not to look deep in our hearts and we kind of move past our feelings and emotions and we uh, don't enter into deep relationships because we know if we enter into a deep relationship that somebody's actually going to know me in that place and that's scary and so we kind of move from thing to thing to thing and we're always running and we're always moving and we're always not open to you. And so Father, we ask that you would help us become whole and holy people that you would search us, God, that you would search our hearts and that you would reveal to us what is inside of them, that you would test us, that you would show us our anxious or dysfunctional thoughts. Would you show us any way that is within us that is offensive, not so that we can feel guilty, but rather so that we can walk in your way. Father, today, this week, this month, this year, would you build in us a willingness to do this work of self-knowledge, of introspection? And would you bring people alongside us who can help us in that process? So Jesus, be with us as we go today. Help us, dear God, to be people who long to step into health. 
long to step into this vision, this picture of who you've created us to be. We thank you for it, and we ask that your spirit would guide us in that process. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Drive slow and go today in the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ.